0: Good morning everyone. It is office hours, the digital version and coming off our launch party for Apple TV. Uh, it was a hot box. What do you think, Moreno?
1: Oh my god, it was it was literally a hot box. Some of the biggest stars came out to support my guy and show love and like everything with, with Dave Meltzer that had a charitable component for us and we got to hear great stuff from Cynthia Kersey about the Unstoppable Foundation and Folks were really, really excited uh, about the screening. You got to take pictures on the red carpet with my boy. It was just so well done, brother. Congrats! Congrats! Uh,
2: congrats! Congrats,
0: man! Thank you. We had raised, uh, Dave. I found out yesterday we raised one hundred and fifty-seven thousand in change, and then I matched fifty thousand, as you know. So, uh, you know, to take a party and to, to raise over two hundred thousand dollars was a blessing. And you can see from Cynthia uh, what they're doing is going to. Really have an impact on thousands and thousands of people, all because we partied.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and one of the most interesting things I didn't even realize—you know—having been around Unstoppable for the last few years with with you, how much it's grown and the entrepreneurship component there. I think it's it's amazing. It goes right back to the old mantra of teaching a man to fish and they can feed themselves forever. Uh, so that's a really great add to to the program, brother.
0: Yeah, I think. You know, I found my niche and legacy within the charitable side. And then, Mike, you were speaking in Austin. What were you speaking at?
2: Speaking on crypto project that's going on out there, just so many things happening. And that ties into it, Dave, with what everything's going on with uh, Unstoppable. And I've had some conversations. I can't wait to speak to you guys about it. So, One of the projects that we're working on has been translated into nine African languages and just an incredible opportunity to bring uh, so many people who have historically been unbanked into the world economy through cryptocurrency. So really exciting things happening. Oh, very cool. How have you found? What what event was it? Uh, Consensus. It was the layover between Decentral and Consensus, both of them going on in Austin. So a lot of a lot of people in Austin right now. Uh, talk yeah, I had a pickle
0: pickleball tournament too the week before.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm I so upset I haven't played
2: pickleball, pickleball yet.
1: It's taking no. over all of my basketball space a lifetime. I'm not happy about it.
0: Yeah, so it's it's pissed off every tennis player and basketball player because they have those rollout pickleball. I haven't played yet. I know Gary invested in a team, um, and I was thinking about get, getting involved further. But you know who's a incredible pickleball player? Who?
3: Cool.
0: Jakey Bakey. Of course. It doesn't
1: surprise me. Yeah, or, so he,
0: or so he says, because none of us can actually test it out.
1: Oh. Yeah, he's probably making his own rules. Like, oh, I missed it. That's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> making his own rules.
1: <laughs> you know, one uh, thing I need to point out, and I, I'm going to give some pr- free endorsement to a product that I was introduced to at the, the launch, Dave. Those uh, foam roller water bottles. Yeah. Such a practical idea. Mobot? Mobot. Mobot. Uh, I was sitting on my flight yesterday for like six hours, sipping some water and and rolling out my thighs. I'm like, this is great.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you shouted them out because first of all, they're a woman owned uh, business and the women who own it are incredible entrepreneurs and they're all in uh, going the extra mile every day, you know, not just extra mile every once in a while, justifying why they're not there yet. But what, what a great idea, a great branding idea a great utility for the bottle when it's empty. Um, Yeah, I I was blown away. They met me last time I was at the office at SoFi. And, you know, I was like, how have I never seen this before? You know, it's one of those. Why didn't I think of that?
1: (laughs) I want to see them win so bad because it's such an awesome, like one of those products. It's simple, it's practical, and it's awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll be filming uh, a two-minute drill July. uh, No, June 17th is the official launch of Office Hours on apple tv so that's mia's birthday we had marlena's birthday yesterday she turned 18 uh miles won his tournament of champions uh no he's not now in the district championship game saturday uh so with the birthdays of travel and i'm leaving for phoenix today be back tonight uh go to a graduation party tonight and then baseball game championship (laughs) tomorrow then of course off to wisconsin on monday for a little orientation for everyone um Let's just start backwards to save a little bit of time. Takeaways for the week. Mikey Mamola. I'm going to let you start. Now, we are doing a training uh, this morning at 7 a.m., so uh, you can repeat your takeaways uh, if you guys come on to the training this morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time for those that don't join us every week. But we'll do this exact same thing uh, for everyone uh, on Clubhouse, Instagram, TikTok. And, of course, I think we're over 66,000 people registering for this Friday uh, for trainings, which is, is just a whole nother success of, of helping people. But Mikey, what's your takeaway for the day?
2: Yeah, that, uh you know, perception really does shape your life. I found myself sitting on uh, the, the runway yesterday, like I said, for five and a half hours, at least with the engines off and every, you know, at the three hour mark, the pilot had to come on and say, according to DOT rules and American Airlines policies. They have to let us know that they can let us off and they open the side doors and you're allowed to leave. And people were frustrated. There's no internet. They, there was, they weren't giving out drinks uh, until much later. And people were really getting upset. And I found myself getting into that state of mind and, and really just trying to find back a place of, of uh, calmness and gratitude and trying to find the peace and the silence and all of that and you know, it really did help. And so I, it was just a reminder that when we go through these these trying times, whatever they might be, they're trying in different ways for different people. We can really shape the quality of our lives based on our perception of it and focusing on the right things.
0: Yeah, I always in to myself, and obviously I travel more than most people, what do you think the pilot and in in the staff feels like on that? Right. Because they're hot. I mean, besides <clears throat> having access to, to drinks, you know, which is always just a... a mystery to me how they're not like more abundant on giving out fluids to people that are stuck yeah. on the runway. But besides the drink situation, um, you know, sitting in a cockpit does not seem very fun mm-hmm. for me knowing that I gotta after I sit in a cockpit for five and a half hours, fly from Austin to Miami or, or wherever they're going. So yeah, you uh definitely uh find either who you are. There's um a saying about the body is uh, the symbol of fear. Mm. So when, you know, when things seem to attack the body, uh, like a waste of time or heat or dehydration or lack of sleep, whatever it be, it's a, an attack on a symbol of fear. And yeah. within you, you're, uh, your mind can't be attacked. Only the body can be attacked. Just remember that. All right, Marino. Wait, what did your hat say, by the way?
1: Uh, it's an it's a double S. It's, oh,
0: wow. um, yeah, <clears throat> double S. Here, give us a quick takeaway because Monica's here. We'll let her. Call. Oh, great! Yeah, oh. no,
1: mine is. Um, man, I'm always so introspective whenever I come around. David and, and and the team, and and obviously all of the folks that have supported us for years and been around, and the guests and, and friends. You know, many of the people that we've met, Dave, have really become friends. Um, so, just I have so many takeaways, but the one I want to highlight really quick is to just be a celebrant. Uh, I know you say that a lot, David. Uh, even when things don't impact you, celebrate them. Like, I can't tell you how how grateful I feel. Uh, many of you know I've, I've changed law firms this past week, and I've, I've gotten so many emails and, and letters and phone calls from folks, even folks that are at firms that I turned down, just saying congrats, this is such a great opportunity. I'm so happy for you. And that stands out. And those folks go top of mind, you know, for for abundance list in terms of how can I help them, how can I pay pay it forward. So just celebrate everybody, even if you feel like it doesn't you know help you right right away.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way at the, the launch party. I mean we had hundreds and hundreds of people and you know everyone you know showed up from Omar Miller to Meta World Peace to Edwin Ariave to Dan Fleishman. And, and the, the uh, Tolners came which to me uh was just such a blessing that Bruce Tolner uh, who I've known, you know, from Lee Steinberg on and one of the greatest sports agents ever to live with wet. Only guy I know, most people don't know this about Bruce Tolner in the sports world, only guy ever to represent the first two picks in the draft because it's almost a logistical impossibility because uh, how do you tell two different guys you're trying to get them number one spot? So it was always a logistical impossibility, but he had Wentz and Goff uh in a draft once and, uh, to have him there, uh, with me beyond, I, I know I'm missing about a hundred other people that I listed off. I, I will tell you, we, we, is Monica ready? Give me a thumbs up, Maddie. Okay, good. So I'll bring her on in a sec. So one of the fun things was when I just listed off the guests on office hours, Dave, mm-hmm. it was two pages, right? And I was reading it off and when I got to the bottom of the first page. I thought I was done and then I was like, holy crap, you know, I kept listing off these people. It was incredible. So anyway, let's bring on, let me uh, make sure I got my order correctly here uh, with Matt. Uh, actually, we'll bring on Ann because I think she's scheduled right now. So uh, we will bring on Ann and wider Is that okay, Matt? Is that what you <laughs> have? I know. Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. All right. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. All right, Ann, are you ready? Bring her on. And uh, Oh, both there i go that makes <laughs> morning on, david Ann Ann all righty i'm glad i didn't start too early uh the, the, the co-founders of alloy um and uh you know years ago well, welcome for, by the way we've had a little disruptive morning um welcome Thank you. <laughs> so
4: much.
0: years ago uh they started talking about someday we would have telemedicine and telehealth and it made sense to me and uh I was investing in in companies as usual uh, too early and (laughs) I I won't name, I won't name the name of the company Uh, uh, just like my own uh, 1999 when I had the the Windows CE device and I was telling everyone someday you're going to call China for free in color, full duplex in the palm of your hand and people like that's impossible. That'll never happen. And uh, I was once again, just too early. Which is why there's, a lot of iPhones out there and not many Windows CE devices that you see. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when did uh, the chasm happen where, you know, we have reached uh, a ubiquitous state of telehealth where uh, people prefer it, you know, and are getting more comfortable? I remember when we were afraid to use credit cards on the internet when I first started. And, oh, you're going to buy something on the internet? This makes me laugh today. I think telehealth falls into that same category. And you guys, unlike me, have terrific timing as Alloy, really uh, hitting chasm and helping so many people with a huge critical life issue in the world. How do we get better healthcare?
3: Thanks, David. Thanks for having us. Um, I think obviously the biggest thing that sort of happened to change the way the world views telemedicine is the pandemic. Um, you know, we actually thought about starting a telehealth company before the pandemic, which makes me wonder about our own timing <laughs> as well. but um, and of course, we wouldn't wish the pandemic on anyone, of course, and I've lost um, an uncle to the to the this terrible disease but um, but honestly, the adoption of telehealth has just skyrocketed, and I have to say, I took my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, to a doctor's appointment in person. I live in Brooklyn; the appointment was in Manhattan. Um, it was a maybe half an hour appointment max, and it took probably six hours out of my day. And as a you know working mom, um, you know, luckily for All- Alloy, has me as a salaried employee. But if I was an hourly worker, the unpaid hourly, that would have cut a significant amount of my Income out. Not to mention, you know, most women are taking care of at least one other family member, parent, um, or child, or spouse. Uh, they already deprioritize their health. So, particularly for women, telehealth is actually a lifesaver, a wage saver, and a time saver.
0: Monica, anything to add on that?
5: <laughs> I mean, There's a lot there. So I, didn't, I
0: didn't know you. I... <laughs> Uh, well, we have plenty of questions. Don't, don't don't worry. We got plenty of questions, David.
1: Yeah, of course, uh, Monica, and welcome. Good morning. Happy Friday. Uh, just thank you. Want to start Great to be here. by saying saying thank you. Uh, I think your guys' company uh, really solves a huge issue. Uh, you know, being a son, being a husband, you now being a father to a girl, I, I know the, the difficulties around uh, women's phys- physical and, and, and medical health and the lack of uh, information. Um, you know, going through these processes and, you know, doing some of the research, especially around marginalized communities. So I'd, I'd like to thank you, A, for for coming up with this idea and and talk to us about how you guys have been able to scale and, and really get this out to, to the masses, because it's really an issue that I'm glad someone is looking at addressing. And obviously, you know, going through menopause and, you know, that being a huge shift in life uh, and not necessarily having access to proper information to make the process a little easier is, is really a challenge. So thank you.
5: Yeah. Thank I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting. So we, the, the whole idea of ally really started out of my own personal experience when I went into menopause overnight at 40 after um, having my ovaries removed prophylactically when I had a BRCA diagnosis, bre- breast cancer gene diagnosis. Um, and, you know, I was pretty young and I was in the middle of New York city with lots of resources. I'm, I'm a Stanford MBA. I mean, I, you know, I really generally know how to kind of work my way around the world, and I just couldn't get anybody to listen to me to help. And, and I knew what the issue was. But, you know, sort of getting the, um, the, the clear, supportive information and solutions is very difficult. So there are 55 million women in the United States in some phase of menopause right now, um, 6,000 women a day are entering menopause, and it's just sort of been really off the radar for until now. Um, you know, it's kind of post-fertility, and so no one really cared about it. And what we're doing is really leveraging technology to be able to bring the access, uh, so, access to solutions to more women, um, because in the United States, there are only 18,000 gynecologists and only a thousand, and not all gynecologists, but only a thousand medical practitioners who are who are sort of trained in menopause specifically. So there's a real math problem.
2: Good morning, Anne and, and Monica. In addition to all of the great things that you're doing by utilizing technology, I know that Alloy offer, offers safe, gentle, plant-based bioidentical hormones for relief from menopause symptoms. What are, if either of you could address, what are the benefits of bioidentical hormones and why are they important
3: for what you are dealing with? So how long do you have? Um, There are 34 (laughs) symptoms of menopause. Um, I mean, the essential biology is that when, once you hit menopause, your ovaries stop making estrogen and you have um, over 400 estrogen receptors in your body. They're in every single part of your body. So really every single part of your body, your brain, your bones, your heart, as well as all the other um, parts of your body are affected by this estrogen real deficiency. And so for, for many, many years, for decades, it was very easy. Lots of people just were prescribed hormones to supplement their natural estrogen and progesterone in their body. Um, 20 years ago, a study came out that falsely put the the idea out there that these hormones cause breast cancer. And um, thankfully, there's been many, many studies since, they just haven't penetrated through the press, that actually estrogen itself has, there's no increased risk of breast cancer. And we've just found out on May 5th, there was a great study in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, um, that looked at 500,000 women in the UK. And the results were that progesterone, which many women have to take as well, Um, does not cause breast cancer, which was the finding 20 years ago. Um, So it's the synthetic progestin that was tested 20 years ago that poses a very slight risk increase in breast cancer, Um, but micronized progesterone, which is the bioidentical Um, hormone that we prescribe and that most people are prescribing now um, across the country, across the world, has zero risk as well. So um, one of the main things that we're doing is dispelling that myth that there's this fear and this uh, this danger, um, because really we want women to make the health choices that they are able to make out of facts and knowledge and evidence-based information and not this false fear that was put out there 20 years ago.
5: And also, honestly, get a solution that is so effective. Um, when I started taking um, estrogen therapy, I hadn't slept in six months, <laughs> not one night, and I had gained twenty pounds and was really miserable, and you know felt very isolated and alone. Um, when you don't sleep through the night, you start to feel a little crazy. and you know lots of women suffer from brain fog um, and other, you know, sort of emotional mood dysregulation at this time of life. We're actually, our demographic is the most widely prescribed um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, um, which actually studies show that estrogen is, is actually even more effective um, to treat those um, conditions in perimenopausal and menopausal women than antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. So, you know, there's just so much information now about estrogen and how effective it is because it's actually solving the root cause of all of these symptoms the only reason why it menopause is even a thing is due to the lack of estrogen so when when you add some back it you know it's it's like life literally life-changing and, and, and we enhancing- didn't
3: we just didn't used to live past you know we stopped Average age of menopause is 51. That was actually the life expectancy over 100 years ago of women. And now that we're living luckily, happily, and healthily into our 90s, some of us, and certainly into our 80s, um, we just haven't evolved to live this long without hormones. So we also are providing other services as well as hormones, but that's where it really starts.
0: And coming from someone who's been married 25 years, oh, by the way. Congratulations. (laughs) <laughs> extremely jealous of monica uh she you got you guys caught you, you guys caught why i'm so jealous of monica she slipped it in there to year. either of you oh no yo i'm a stanford nba
4: oh, so. no.
0: <laughs> just so you know about all my all my siblings all my siblings went to the ivy league and stanford rejected me twice one for undergrad once for law school <clears throat> so my younger brothers decided to go to penn and harvard and turned yes. down Stanford just to show me how much better they are than I am. <laughs> and, and they are, they didn't really have to prove it by doing that, but uh, it was pretty obvious. Um, anyway, uh, to that matter though, being married 25 years and being on the other side of the bed through uh, this situation, uh, you, the only benefit to me was the hot flashes because I run so hot. So to have the air conditioning <laughs> at night was super great for me, uh, but I could see, not only why the life expectancy would be 51, 100 years ago, but probably for the husband as well, uh, <laughs> because of all the the uh, after effects of someone being exhausted. Uh, you know, I and, and I was trying to figure it out. My wife has a history in her family of breast cancer. Her aunts, her mom, her grandma all died of it. Um, so very sensitive to estrogen itself or any types of hormonal uh, procedures that could, uh, exposure or enhanced uh, that as well. I'm always curious when we have these new telehealth medicine uh, companies because there has to be an integration still of diagnosis and of testing, and you know the cumbersome past of healthcare really gets exposed uh, from telehealth in companies like yours of how we really never needed to have you know all this extra expense and all this extra time. How do you guys facilitate the diagnosis uh, via telehealth of of menopause or or perimenopausal symptoms?
5: Well, basically it's, it really has to do with age and symptom symptomatology and um, whether or not you're still menstruating. So essentially, you know, any woman starts to become perimenopausal around the age of 40, um, whether she's getting her period or not. Um, But at a certain point, you know, it starts to get become more irregular. Um, it's you know bleeding, and sorry guys, but like go for the <laughs> there's just all kinds of stuff that starts happening. And until you um, haven't gotten a period in 12 months, you are considered perimenopausal. When you um, haven't menstruated for at least a period of 12 months, then you know you're you're considered postmenopausal. And um, and menopause is actually t- technically one day. It's that day marking the you know 12 months that you haven't had a period. And um and and that's kind of all that you need to know in terms of diagnosing whether you're in perimenopause or or menopause. Um and then the question is whether, you know, or not you're feeling symptomatic. Um, there are some reasons that women might want to choose to treat themselves at this point, um, you know, whether they are having symptoms or not. And, and there are so many symptoms that sometimes you don't really know you know, which what it's what it's that it's attributable to perimenopause or menopause. Um, but but like all of the testing and stuff that's really super expensive um, and is kind of a profit center for a lot of doctors and makes women feel that that, that they're getting more information is actually unnecessary and considered, um, you know, considered so by the North American Menopause Society, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and other leading medical authorities. So we do have a very um, robust medical intake that does look at potential contraindications or family histories or things that, you know, a doctor might want to um, get more information about or, you know, a sort of a more complicated case that might potentially need, you know, visibility in a doctor's office, but For the most part, menopause is something that's really treatable online and doesn't need a lot of um, extra testing. And
3: what happened um, sort of 20 years ago when that study came out is what had been a pretty normal course of action, which is to prescribe most women menopausal hormone therapy. Um, 20 years ago, when the sort of fear was put out there that this is bad, what happened is that two really alternative markets sprung up. One is the alternative herbal supplement market, some of which work. The ones who, that really work are the phytoestrogens. Um, and then this very expensive, um, very inaccessible to most women, uh, sort of cottage industry rose up of this intense uh, testing and then um, prescribing of sort of a cocktail, a sort of uh, the word is um, compounded hormones, which also work because they're supplementing your your hormones. But that can cost upwards of $1,000 a month. And to your point, David, about creating access and democratizing care, um, that's really, honestly, it's working. It's just A, unnecessary. It puts women um, in a bad position no matter what their income or, or socioeconomic class scale is. But honestly, um, the idea that this is complicated has really put women, A, at um, great disadvantage because they don't get the care they need, and those who are paying all that money don't need to. So really, this is actually a very a perfect um, condition to be treated by telehealth because it's so easily sort of diagnosable and in many the vast majority of healthy women, very easily treatable. Oh, I love and the, it.
5: the other problem with the compounded hormones is that they're not FDA approved. So they're not regulated. The dosing isn't regulated. You don't know what you're getting. Um, and a lot of women, myself included, I really tried everything. So after I went into menopause, it was like a full-time job for me for five years to really figure out my course of care um, and what I was going to stick with for the, for the, the duration. Um, and pellet therapy is kind of a big thing right now, but it's actually, Pretty dangerous, and the outcomes with that um, are are worse. Um, and um, again, you don't know what you're getting. So, like, it's 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 women are really getting disturbed, and we're trying to change that.
0: You know, what's so remarkable is I have a lot of like pitch and funding shows that I do from Amazon to Apple, and it's amazing not only with women entrepreneurs how much better they are at pitching, but they really for whatever reason, women will take a personal experience and make a successful business out of it. And I see it. I don't know if, you know, men are just too lazy. It's like, ah, someone else will take care of this when it's bugging us. But, um, you know, I want to congratulate you because I think I'm always looking for classic examples of people that can do well by doing good. Um, and you know, you really are saving lives, um, and marriages, Uh, So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) which also saves lives, (laughs) which also saves lives. So I want to congratulate uh, both of you. I appreciate both of you coming on. Let's do more together. Let's make sure everyone is aware of what is available to them in such an efficient and effective way. Myalloy.com. Reach out, Anne and Monica, congratulations on your success. Continue to do well by doing good. We appreciate you.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much, much, David. Great to see you all great to see you thank
0: you awesome there we go um it's so funny at 54 years old we were talking about you know menopause and periods and and blood or whatever and i just go back to my 16 year old self i'm like i can't believe we're talking about this in public this is amazing uh so anyway (laughs) uh it's it's with three daughters and a wife i'm past it but i can't imagine it's kind of like telling people you went bankrupt I can't yes. imagine doing it, but uh, it's something that uh, I have no problem with uh, as well. We're going to change. Usually, we have some sort of uh, continuity um, yeah. <laughs> in, in our programming. Uh, and I know we, we, uh, we're we going to go from uh, pizza to... to... <laughs> there we go. Uh, Tom Krause is the CEO of Donato's, Donato's.com. Uh, and uh, we are just so excited to have you here. Give me something that's a little bit more comfortable speaking of because I'm more of an expert at this uh, than I am in the previous subject matter. Well, uh, <laughs> but, I, no. I, will t-
6: I will tell you pizza can save marriages also.
0: Just, oh, trust me. And, it say. absolutely, and it definitely uh, saves your children and your brand, especially uh, in the fast casual pizza category is killing it um, and a, a big fan is as, as well. Um, and you guys have brought on a new president. Yeah, we did, and, and that's uh, where, where I like to start. Um, now I just have to give a shout out. Uh, do you guys know uh, who founded Donatos? By the way, My, David, Mikey, do you see?
1: Mm. I do not, but Mike's like the pizza king. He's that's got okay.
0: G- G- so, Jim. Jim, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jim Grote, right? Jim Grote, yeah. Guess where? Guess where he went uh, to college? Ohio State? <laughs> no, no, it's not Ohio State. No one says Ohio State is the Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> well, david
6: you're off to a great start I'm telling you
0: it's it's awesome anyway so tom you know i, I you you've been uh president since you know 2010 that's quite a tenure and you experienced extraordinary growth uh, especially in that category I think kind of leading the way and building a category that has become a multi-billion dollar category uh in transitioning though to you know new leadership uh what were some of the critical business issues. Cause I think a lot of people don't know what that's like. And I'd love for you to share that kind of transition and mindset that it took to hand over the reins of your baby.
6: Yeah. Well, um, and, and I'm, I'm staying on as CEO, CEO so right? Yeah. yeah. Can't, get, get, can't get rid of me that quick. I,
0: but, uh, sorry. I, I meant to say <laughs> president. Yeah.
6: But no, he uh, we are at this critical point. Now the, the company, as you said, you know, we've been around a long time, but we've gone from a small regional uh, uh, company to now expanding nationwide. And we're about to expand internationally. So when you start to look at scaling or growth, especially when you have a, a company like ours and a brand like ours, which, uh, you know, is it's a, it's a family type business and, the, you know, all this, kind of special things that come with a culture like that, you've got to be real thoughtful about how you grow uh, because we're, it's not just the pizza. It's, it's the way we interact with all the communities that we're in. And, and, you know, my father-in-law's had a philosophy. It, it sounds corny and cliche, but it is, it is true. And and you see it throughout this company that it's the golden rule. It's treating others the way you want to be treated. And, it's really slowing down to make sure that we're caring for not only the people who work for us, but the community. So you have a culture like that. And so to be able to uh, scale up, uh, you got to be real thoughtful about how to do that. And so having the right kind of leadership, we brought on a, a guy named Kevin King who uh, has done some great things for Papa Murphy's. If you're familiar with Papa Murphy's smoothie King, uh, and really helped them both grow. And the great thing about Kevin is He also worked for us 15 years ago, so he Hmm. knows our – and he was roommates with uh, my brother-in-law, so he he knows the company, the family, and he's got the skill set, and it allows me to to do more, you know, uh, building relationships and and business development, things like that,
1: so – Tom, that's great. Congrats on the tremendous growth. Um, one of the things I want to dig into for a sec. So you you came from Wendy's, where you were the VP of marketing, and, and yep. you went into the role of CEO, obviously at Donatos. Talk to us a little bit about that transition, going from a, a huge, you know, national fast food chain to a more local at the time uh, company in Donatos, and how that experience helped you in terms of your your tra- scaling of Donatos.
6: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I've never been asked that question. Um, oh, right the, on.
1: 2 the, uh, day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We
6: keep score, Tom. Is that right? All right.
0: Us Buckeyes are very, very competitive. There you go. There you go.
6: <laughs> now, uh, you know, the interesting thing is at the time that I came from Wendy's to Donato's, uh, Donato's had just been purchased by McDonald's. McDonald's bought Chipotle, Boston Market, and Donato's, and they were going to uh, – uh, you know, grow similar to the way Yum! Brands that owns Pizza, Taco Bell, KFC. They were going to grow that way. Anyway, <clears throat> so they had they had bought the company. So the transition was difficult because I came from this big company to a, a much smaller company that was on this super high trajectory. I mean, it was a high growth uh, kind of environment that honestly... I really did poorly the first couple of years. I was uh you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm this big branding expert and I'm going to I'm going to help this small company uh, understand branding and what I what I did was I went so fast I didn't stop long enough to really understand what made Donata special. And uh I I'd prefer not to spend 15 minutes talking about all my failures, but there there were a few so <laughs> but the learning is you know, really understand what what the company is all about and what the culture is and what makes it special. And because pizza is not a new concept, I'm telling you, it's not like people are sitting around and going, "Oh, I wish another pizza place would open in my area." So you've got it. You've got to have something special, and you've got to treat it uh, the right way. But
2: uh, so, yeah. so Tom, once you have uh, that something special, what's the key, and how important are systems when you're? Ex- experiencing this kind of growth in order to maintain that consistency to go from one place in Ohio at the Ohio state um, to three, over 375 locations so that I know that if I bite into a Donato's pizza here, there, or anywhere, it's the same.
6: Well, that, that, that is really what's fundamental to Donato's. And my father-in-law developed this, this system. We call it the GPS, the Grody pizza system after Jim Grody, but it's, it's a way to make sure that you have a consistent product. And, and it's not a secret. I probably shouldn't blast it out there. But we, we make our own dough. And the dough goes to the stores already shaped as a pizza crust. So it's not, you're not dealing with mixing dough and different types of water in different locations that really has a, a different effect on the crust. You, you've got a consistent product to start with. We uh, weigh every topping on a scale to the hundredth of a pound. So, I mean, all four of us could make a pizza. It's not, it's, it's kind of foolproof. I didn't mean to say fool, but it's, it's easy. (laughs) Let's put it that way. And, um, and so, and then we have conveyor ovens that bake it to the exact uh, temperature and thickness. So anyway, it's that system that's already in place that allows us to go just about anywhere. The other key thing, Mike, is we entered into a partnership with Red Robin Gourmet Burgers uh, a few years back. And the reason that's important is when Jim invented Donato's, every ingredient is a spec. It's it's exactly our unique ingredient. Most pizza places, you open up in Reno, Nevada, you call the food, they send you a pep, give me a pepperoni, a cheese, and they're in the business. Ours is so specific that we can't really scale unless we've got uh, wide distribution. So Red Robin, mm-hmm. which is heavier, uh, located more heavily in the West Coast, allows us to go from being Midwest to nationwide. So you've got those operating platform and that ability to scale through the Red Robin partnership.
0: And, and Tom, one, one of the things that caught my eye over the years. Um, Lee Steinberg and I, I ran a notable sports agency years ago, and we were trying to educate uh, the world on we called we called it the Sporting Green Alliance. And so, if you see those little signs at the urinals, uh, since we're talking about menopause, this is fine. Don't worry; <laughs> it doesn't mess with your pizza. But if you see those signs, you know uh, each one of these uh, saves forty-four, you know, yeah. thousand gallons a year. Uh, we thought by you know educating the market in the sports and entertainment venues, uh, then people would take it back to their homes and to their businesses. And we could create a social impact uh, through education. And you were the first, if not one of the first uh, to realize the duplicative value in distributing through sports and entertainment venues uh, because of the millions of people that come through. And, you know, I think more than half of your locations are these non-traditional Uh, locations, which have, you know, great impact, not just because of the revenue stream and the scalability, but I think a lot of people undervalue the marketing aspect of being with a Red Robin. I'm on the West coast, especially the sports and entertainment venues and reef that you get this special thought when you're getting a Donato's pizza, it it almost adds added value and experience to it uh, that you know, is a very easy and and, an inefficient way to do and an efficient way to do that. Um, How have you seen those types of partnerships impact on the marketing side, not just the revenue side, but the actual, hey, we're not even paying for this. This is amazing. We're making money and people are getting exposed to a better product.
6: Yeah, it's, you know, the way people get food today is significantly different than the way it was even five years ago. And so the idea that – and customers are always in charge. And so the consumer wants a great product wherever they are, whenever they want it. Um, I think the difference is and the key is, and you kind of hit on it, is it's got to be authentic. And and the thing that we have is it we're not making up a story. It's not like we've got a, a cartoon character named Luigi who – You know, we, we invented in the boardroom and it's, you know, this is a real story. It's, it's, it's actually a great business story. It's a great family. Uh, So you put that as the foundation and then you've got what's a, what's a real brand that's accessible in a sports venue or at Red Robin. Yeah. I, I was frankly a little bit worried when we entered into the partnership with Red Robin that, that people wouldn't get it, but, they do, and and we're joking about the Ohio State University, but uh, a, a, you know, fifty five thousand students every year are eating Donato's pizza, and then they're going off into the world. There, there's a kind of a connection there that people get uh, around the country. So they're walking into Red Robin, going, "Are you kidding me? This is the pizza I had when I was in college." I think it was because I had a few beers that night. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. But your pizza goes really well with beer. It does. To that point, I'm going to reach back out to you uh, because I'm always looking. I I have done a free training uh, for over 22 years uh, every Friday. Now, because of the pandemic, it went online and we have, I think, over 66,000 people registered today. Uh, It used to be the community. I always joked around. It used to be just in the community. And so I would buy everyone lunch, So you know, 100 or 200 people every Friday for lunch. Was much more expensive than sixty six thousand people online but I, i've always wanted to have a partnership where i could offer you know a discount or some let's sort do of a pizza party yeah, yeah exactly pizza party.
6: that we're, sounds we're, great i'll we'll
0: have donato's on my friday training once a month or something so i'm at my team uh reach out because i always tie into uh, the columbus crew and uh you know i can have a swenson's there now and donato's pizza yeah. around the world so <laughs> It's working out for me. Uh, everything's coming up roses. Tom Krause, congratulations on your extraordinary success. If you haven't tried Donato's, uh, please. It is yeah, the leader in its category, the fast casual pizza category. And uh, you could tell why they're successful. Not only is it great leadership, uh, but there's nothing like Ohio. Uh, thanks so much. Hey, uh, thanks, guys. You got it. Come back. I appreciate please it. please thanks, come back, Tom. Tom. Thank you. Oh, you got him. Matt's either quick or slow on the draw. We heard <laughs> you there, buddy. All right, no problem. The Ohio State University representing way better than that Stanford people. Uh, you know, these Buckeyes, guys. There you don't see Stanford in the in the championships, do you? I don't see them there. No. Nope. 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 But the academics are raising money though. Hey Dave, we've we've we all motorhomed through Columbus. So uh yeah. with, with Miles and Mike. And, yes. and us, so all right. We are more I I love the transition here. We have uh, Blake Marr. He's the CEO of Serious Fun Children's Network. You're in the right place, Blake, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> so, <laughs> we are glad to hear more seriously later. fun yeah, children. Uh, we just look old. Uh, and uh, your organization was founded by a great entrepreneur, a great philanthropist, Paul Newman. Uh, I think he was a fairly good actor as well. <laughs> okay. And um, you know what you know Paul was very intent driven you know, and I was blessed to have met him and obviously know kind of where his focus was and the success that he had. <laughs> what was his intent when uh he founded the serious fun children's network? um I know he must have been very specific in what he wanted to do
4: paul Paul was always uh a man of vision and he had ideas, and he also was willing to see what the moment was bringing. But what, what, he, what he really wanted to do when he started these camps was create a place where children who, you know, in his words, had been handed a really bad you know, hand of luck. You know, they just had things stacked against them. He wanted to provide a, a place where they could just be kids, where they could connect with other kids. They could have the experience of having fun, building their confidence, trying new things at a place that was specifically built for children with serious medical conditions. And I think that, you know, while Paul's vision was always far reaching, I think he would be even astounded now by the impact that it's had, you know, not only where it started in one camp in Connecticut, but now there's 30 camps and programs all over the world.
2: It's absolutely amazing, Blake. Good morning. Good morning, And so, Dan. And so- how impactful or emotional, I should say, is it when we're able to share those experiences? And I imagine that some of these individuals who, who you provide these experiences to go on to continue in life and continue to affect other people always say, like, people say, well, if I could just, you know, affect one person, and we say, like, you, you really can't, because when you change that one person, they begin to go out and into the world. And so what kinds of stories or other things have been most resonant with you—the the experiences that you've seen in the way that these, this um, program has changed
4: the world and the lives of these individuals. I, I love that question. And, you know, as that ripple effect is huge in these programs, probably in more than any other thing that I've been involved with in my life, and because it operates on multiple levels. First and foremost, you have these kids who who go to camp and. It's amazing how they are transformed by this experience. We just finished a a lasting impact study on kids 18 through 30, how camp influenced their life. And we always knew anecdotally, now we have like the the, the data to show like it changes how they, indifferently than their family, their school, their community, it changes how they see their self-esteem, their decision-making, their sense of empathy, their understanding of diversity, all these really important things about the the way they live. is It's been one of the most important aspects of their life. So for the kids themselves, of course, but also I think what, Paul might not have expected. You know, it's been a learning uh, experience for me. Is how it impacts their entire families, the parents who also experience the isolation, the stress that illness brings to a family. When they, ha- when your child has uh, a condition, their brothers and sisters. And and maybe the the area that I would least expected, but have experienced most, is on the staff and volunteers who participate, because it. If you know, I started as a counselor at the first camp, and the way it impacted the way I thought looked at life, and all the people that I knew, radically changed my path in life, and or or maybe subtly changed the way I live every day. And I think that that impact on so many people, you know, thousands and thousands of volunteers. And staff members who go out into the world in different ways, as well as the kids and their families, it's mm-hmm. it's just pretty phenomenal. Um, the positivity, the opportunity that provides
0: there—extraordinary Extra- answer. Unfortunately, you stole my question. I was going to ask you. <laughs> I, had a, yeah, exactly. I like shit. I know this is impacting the families, and but I never thought about how it impacts the staff uh, yeah. and, and empowers them. Um, you know, I want to get into the mindset a little bit um, because so many people dedicate their lives uh, to helping others. And, you know, one of my primary focus in what I am trying to do and empowering others to be happy uh, and everyone has their challenges, their setbacks, their failures, mistakes, and pain, uh, which I consider to be an indicator of promotion and protection. Um, Is there a shift in a mindset from, you know, being punished. You know, and and I and I know this from all the personal experiences that I've had and others that you feel punished when, especially your child is sick. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, temporary or chronic, it's like a punishment, and you see parents and family and friends like, what? Why would this happen? Uh, to really see, as you have, because your entire career has been in this space, how it has promoted and protected us. And, you know, I remember a story that Wayne Dyer told about Shia, a, a young man about, sorry, get choked up, how he brought out the perfection in others because of this imperfection. And I thought it'd be interesting because you've been around it for so long. How have you seen that aspect that a lot of people that may not be able to find the light, the love and the lessons and everything, really come out at these camps because I've been at those camps and it's extraordinary. It's life changing and it's inspirational.
4: You know, I, I think, you know, I understand getting chucked up the stuff is, is, it's so emotional, but it's also so hopeful at the same time, which is like probably part of what my answer would be is that, you know, these families and kids who go through this, that there's still incredible stigma around illness And I think more so than maybe not outward, you know, kind of, um, you know, segregation or discrimination, but separation um, for them. And so when we see these kids um, be able to do so much in their lives, when they're, you know, the kid who's in a wheelchair going down a zip line uh, 40 feet up in the air, Um, up on stage for the first time performing before all of their friends. All the things that they're capable of, this is incredible to them. And they start to shift their own mindset about who they can be. But you see the same thing happen with their parents. And you see the same thing happen with everybody who comes in contact with them. So I think that's the big difference that I think that experiences like this can have is that Changing the mindset of understanding our differences, our capabilities within that—the space for everybody—you know, there's a lot of discussion about inclusion and belonging. Uh, you know, during the last couple of years, more so than before. But I think our camps have always been about that, and to to be, uh, you know, able to to enhance that in the world is you know, incredible, incredibly powerful. It's something that I want to see us do even more because I think now that we have some of the vocabulary for it, we're able to kind of um, capitalize on it even more.
2: Blake, what's been the experience when you see, for example, a child like this who is struggling? And I use an example that we saw down here in in Miami of a a child who had gone through 17, I believe it was, surgeries by the time he was like 19 years old. And here he is up on stage motivating people to ride on these uh, stationary bikes to raise money, there wasn't a dry eye. I mean it's you just it creates something superhuman in others, I think, when we see these individuals excel to that to that next level. How has that impacted you, the people around you in the organization?
4: You know that's a great description of like that superhuman power that it, that it creates in people because at these camps, at our programs, you know as i mentioned before the positivity the energy the willingness to work with other people to help create a better situation i think that um everybody ends up being better you know what i I can remember when i my first year when i was a counselor my one of my aunts asked me you know why did you like this so much you can't stop talking about it and for on a personal level And I think this does this for everybody, for the kids, for the parents, for all the staff members. It was like, this made me, it it, because of the atmosphere and energy, it brought out all my good qualities. It made me operate at that superhuman level that you talk about as a better person. It was kind of a, who I hoped I would always would be. My good qualities rose to the surface. My bad ones sank to the bottom. And it was like, i think it gives everybody that vision of what we can be uh versus you know uh, the day to day that we often stumble along in yeah. yeah
0: i think that perspective uh is most important in all of our lives in being able to see you know what's important and prioritize those things and you know it's the combination of two things that come to mind is i've always put my family first until probably the last 4 years of my life until I've witnessed what you do and what others do like you. And I said, hold on a second. I better put my health as my first priority than my family. By putting my health first is actually by putting my family and the activity I get paid for uh, first. It's a combination. The other two don't allow you to combine those. And I think one of the lessons that I've learned that you really have helped to share is, you know, when you're healthy, you get as many wishes as you want. And if you're unhealthy, you only have one wish, and there's, <laughs> you know, that well, it's that one wish that exists, and uh, you know, it's a great legacy. I got shit on uh, the internet because I said in a hundred years, most people won't remember who Steve Jobs uh, was. They, they won't, and and they people don't believe me. And I'm doing a movie with Carl about a guy named Carl Fisher. Carl Fisher. Most people don't know who he is. Fisher Island is named after him down there in Miami. He invented, he founded Montauk and South Beach and was the richest man on earth three different times, bankrupt in between and died a pauper, invented the Lincoln uh, freeway, the Holland freeway that connected the United States. And he also founded the Indy 500. But nobody knows who he is today. Nobody knows who he is today because he didn't do what you do, which is create a legacy or what Paul Newman has done was create a legacy. And the legacy is what we do outside of what we do, meaning what we give back and and how we share of ourselves and impact other people. And Blake, you will always be known for all the good that you're doing and impacting so many lives. I just wanted to have you on to say thank you. And everyone, where where can we support uh, seriousfund.org? Is that the best place to send people
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Seriesfund.org is our website. You can see all the ways that you can be involved—from you know, volunteering to donating. Uh, there's, there's the more, the more we, uh, the more we have in support, the more we can do, of course, and reach more children.
0: Yeah, I always say I'm, I'm speaking in Arizona right after this, and uh, it's about money matters. And uh, everyone realized that you know, money does buy love and happiness if you shop for the right things. And, uh, <laughs> I encourage you to shop at org. <laughs> Forget Amazon. You, you, I <laughs> promise you, you can buy happiness and love by shopping at yeah. seriousfun.org Thank you. Blake. And it lasts a
4: lifetime, not only 15 minutes. <laughs>
0: exactly. Remember, the only reason people know Vanderbilt is because he gave $2 million to Central University, which became <laughs> Vanderbilt. If he wouldn't have done that, most people wouldn't even know who Vanderbilt is. Uh, so please go shopping at seriousfun.org. We appreciate you.
4: Thank you, Blake. Thank you, guys, very much. Right you, day. you
0: too. Thank you. All right, my friend, uh, yeah. Marino got his two points and left. <laughs> like uh, he, he thinks he's. I, I deduct three points for. <laughs> he's negative one today. Yeah, he's negative one. So you <laughs> won today. So Marino, uh, I hope you're. I hope you're watching somewhere, uh, in, uh, where you are, but. Thanks for joining me, Mikey Mamola. We had Thank your- you and congratulations on the launch and congratulations on everything.
2: It was great seeing you recently, man.
0: Yeah, man. It was awesome seeing you. I know, wish I had more time, but it was worth it because Miles One. Uh I, I hurried home. Wait, me and Mike had a day planned yesterday in Miami. Uh and uh I mean on Tuesday, sorry. Tuesday. I, I missed I was I was in Miami. I, so Tuesday, and- uh was that right? Was that Tuesday? I was in
2: it was yeah, you were your Monday and supposed to be Tuesday and had to fly out.
0: All oh, right, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. To get, to, to get home Thursday. Yeah. So I, I'm get, getting lost there. All right. Anyway, more, moreover. Thank you so much, brother. I am doing thank a takeaway you. for the day training in an hour from now. Pacific Let's time is always in all your bat channels. Just tune in Uh free Friday training, 7 a.m. Pacific. Mikey Mamola is here every Friday with me. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. You got it. Friday <laughs> victory. All right, everyone. Just a reminder. We got uh, a week or so to apply for two-minute drill, our next show. Uh, Most importantly, uh, we have next up our training. Come join us. I'm going to get Donato's pizza to give free pizza to a training. We'll do a pizza party with Donato's. Hopefully, Matt will share that information with our team to see if we can get that done. Uh, Give me a thumbs up, Matt. What do you think? You like pizza? Nice. Two thumbs up. Matt's like, what has two thumbs and loves pizza? That's right. That's my man. Anyway, email me, David, at dmelzer.com if you haven't registered for training. If you need anything and I have the hiccups. uh, Most importantly, be kind to your future self. Be more interested than interesting and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. Or later, 7 a.m. Sorry.